Hey, it's Andy from Talking to Teens. It would mean the world to us if you could leave us a five-star review. Reviews on Apple and Spotify help other parents find the show, and that helps us keep the lights on. Thanks for being a listener, and here's the show. You're listening to Talking to Teens, where we speak with leading experts from a variety of disciplines about the art and science of parenting teenagers. I'm your host, Andy Earl. Hey, we're here today with Marcus Dusotoy talking about how to think better. Marcus is a mathematician. He's the author of the book, Thinking Better. We're going to talk about laziness and looking for the easy way out and why actually laziness can sometimes be a good thing. And the desire to conserve our effort can lead to some great discoveries of how to save time and save energy. We're going to see how shortcuts or looking for the easy way out often gets a bad rap, but that actually it's a critical skill that can help all of us to be more successful in business and in life. We're going to see how you can use shortcuts to learn music more efficiently. We're going to talk about perfectionism and how shortcuts can help us get past perfectionism and get our stuff out there. We're going to look at sometimes when it's actually better to take a long cut rather than a shortcut. We're going to see one specific shortcut, which is considering the opposite of whatever the problem is that you're trying to solve and working backwards from there. And we're going to look at some really interesting neuroscience research showing that the way grandmasters think about chess moves and look for shortcuts is very different from the way amateur chess players analyze the chessboard. And we're going to see what that means for all of us and our teenagers. All of that and a whole lot more is coming up on today's show. Marcus, thank you so much for being here. You have this book that I've just finished reading called Thinking Better, The Art of the Shortcut in Math and Life. What got you interested in shortcuts? And um, why why did you uh, think that writing a whole book on this topic would be a good idea? Well, I'm a mathematician. And actually, I uh, decided I wanted to be a mathematician uh, when I became a teenager, actually. It was about the age of 13 that my maths teacher at my school, or math teacher, as you say in America, kind of weird, you know, why, why do we have uh, more maths than you do? But yeah, my maths teacher uh, just told us this wonderful story um, about a, a young German mathematician, um, sort of illustrating the power of mathematical thinking. And I mean, it was, a, you know, you, you can, uh, do the little challenge yourself. The, the challenge was, you know, how do you add up the numbers from one to a hundred? Um, now there's a really boring, slow, laborious way to do that, which is you start at the beginning, one plus one two plus, plus two. Three. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's three plus three is six plus, and you know, you're likely to make mistakes. It's going to take you ages to do. Yeah. Um, but my teacher told me the story of this young German mathematician who was challenged with this at school, um, beginning of the beginning of the 19th century he was at school and, and the 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 teacher thought 
you know, oh, I'll set this problem. Take this the kids ages to solve. Yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> I can get a good good bit of rest at the back front of the class. And you know, before he even finished posing the problem, this kid, Carl Friedrich Gauss was his name, had written down a number on his little slate uh, pad and put it down in front of the teacher. And the teacher thought, you know, well, gosh, what a strange kind of kid that's just writing random numbers down. But then he saw the right answer there. So he asked uh, this young Gauss, uh, you know, well, how did you do that so quickly? Um, and he said, well, there, there's a shortcut because you don't have to start at the beginning and just add the numbers up in turn. Uh, you can actually take them in pairs. So you can begin at the beginning and take the end at the same time. So one plus 100 adds up to 101, but two plus 99 also adds up to 101. So he saw this clever pattern that if you look at the numbers in pairs from the start and the end of the calculation, you've actually just got 50 pairs of numbers right adding up to 101. And so the answer is 50 times 101, which is 5,050. And so uh, my teacher told us this story and I was like, wow, what a brilliant oh, way of thinking, you know. Yeah. I'm, teenagers, you know, look, we're all, we're all lazy as teenagers. We're all looking to avoid doing hard work. And it's, you know, universal across, you know, there aren't any teenager who doesn't want to avoid doing sort of hard work. So this just like really appealed to me. I, I said, okay, wow. Um, what an amazing shortcut. You can just, you know, you don't have to do any hard work. You just think cleverly and you get the answer. And my teacher at the time said, look, this is what mathematics is all about. It isn't about hard work. This is a subject. And he called it the art of the shortcut. And he said, look, uh, at school, I'm going to be teaching you all of these really clever ways of thinking about complex problems, which is just going to do away with all the laborious hard slog and just you know you'll be able to do these questions really quickly once you've got these techniques and then you can go off and play football or soccer <laughs> so you know that really i was like oh my gosh i'm going to dedicate myself to this amazing subject mathematics the art of the shortcut so uh, so in a way this uh book that i've written is kind of my thank you in a way to my teacher first of all for really showing me this amazing subject and also just i hope um a guide for all of those people out there who don't really realize that mathematics is this amazing tool to to look at problems in this fast efficient cunning way uh, and to kind of get rid of all the hard work and to think better you can get to the solution much more easily by using these techniques so the book's kind of um the collection of clever ways that we've come up with over kind of 5,000 years of coming up with mathematics. Um, all can, it's kind of your shortcut to the art of the shortcut. The book kind of hopefully gives you all of these clever ways of thinking. But I mean, isn't laziness bad? Don't we want, uh, don't we want our kids to be hardworking and um, not just searching for the easy way out of everything? I think that laziness gets a bad press, actually. <laughs> okay. and that actually, we should be ce celebrating laziness to a certain extent. You know, it's, yeah. it's down there as one of the seven deadly sins. But I think our laziness is often the secret to us, you know, coming up with clever ways of thinking, these clever yeah, ways yeah. to avoid the, the hard slog. So, you know, a, a lot of people. Efficiency. Yeah. Well, you know, Babe Ruth, uh, the great baseball player, um, it. it he actually credited his laziness for his great ability at baseball because he said, uh, look, I really hate running. 
I don't want to run around the bases. I'm just going to knock the ball out of the stadium, home run. Then I just wander around, you know, slowly get to clear the bases. And um, so, and there are a lot of executives as well that talk about, you know, sometimes hard work and can get in the way of, you know, new innovative ideas. So if you go to any startup, you'll find that, you know, it's full of games and uh, pool tables and table tennis uh, because, they realize that just encouraging a playful attitude to solving problems um, and, and allowing people to have kind of downtime and just time to sit and look out the window. Uh, I mean, that's really can be a very powerful way of coming up with new ideas. So, so I think sometimes, uh, you know, perhaps the easy option is actually to just start doing a lot of hard work. Right, to just jump in and say one plus two plus three. Plus exactly. Four. That's the easy way. But in the right. end, it turns out to be the long way. So, yeah. so I think it's much better to go, okay. And it, you know, it does cause a bit of anxiety because you've got a quite a lot of period of thinking, oh, I don't quite know what I'm doing, but I'm getting a space to think about it. And um, right. so, yeah, I, I think laziness gets a bad press. I think we, we tend to uh, want to control society. And so we sort of, say hard work is the way to do it and i think actually you you take a risk by allowing people space to to be creative and think but i I think we should do that more and so one of the ways that we often can look for shortcuts is by recognizing patterns and um, seeing where patterns exist uh, which is kind of uh what gal saw i guess that um this pattern that you could add the last number with the first number and they always kept adding up to the same thing um and you point out that though this is um looking for patterns and being able to find patterns is helpful in lots of areas of life and i thought it was interesting you were talking about how even um a lot of the way that we learn things like music is about practicing arpeggios and practicing scales kind of um, training ourselves to like see these patterns so that then when we are playing a piece of music we can just jump right into it and um we start to see oh i see this is a minor blues yep no problem and uh, i i know what to do here um i hadn't really thought about that before as as like pattern recognition but yeah it's a cool way of thinking about it I, it's, it's funny because actually i as a teenager i fell in love with maths about the age of 13 but it was also the same age that i really started um enjoying playing music i i, I started learning the trumpet um, around 12, 13. And I think that those two subjects have always run parallel for me. And, and a lot of people have talked about connections between mathematics and music. And I, and I think you're absolutely right. The, the idea of a pattern is sort of common to both of them. I actually sometimes call mathematics the science of patterns and music the art of patterns. Um, Ooh, and, yeah. And, and I do think you're absolutely right. The, the point is that, you know, why do we learn our scales and arpeggios? As a teenager learning a musical instrument that feels like the really boring part this, if this you can sucks ex- yeah <laughs> yeah it does it does well, you know what to do but um but actually yeah. if you to explain no this will ultimately give you um an amazing shortcut when you come to read music for the first time right. and, and as you say you you'll just see a pattern on the page and go oh I, that's an arpeggio and i know that and so my fingers run it off without any effort at all so i think i talked to a um cellist during the book um about yeah. shortcuts in music and things um and she compared it very nicely to like reading you know you don't want to read each individual letter 
as right. you're reading a book. That's just right. going to take you forever. So, so actually you start to read collections of letters and see them as words. And so yeah. in music as well, you know, these patterns of notes become words that then facilitate you playing your music really quickly. So, right. you know, in music, you know, you've got to do your scales and arpeggios, but you know what you're heading towards because you know, you can hear a wonderful piece of music, um, you know, a pop song you love or a piece of jazz or a great concerto. And, yeah. and I think our problem in mathematics and something I've been trying to do in a way with this book is, you know, at school, I think kids are learning their kind of like mathematical scales and arpeggios. They're right. doing multiplication tables, algebra totally. and things, but they never realize the big picture, the big stories, the big music. Um, and we often fail, I think, in our mathematical education to to kind of uh, spark that excitement about uh, mathematics by playing them some big ideas. So yeah. I think that's what my teacher did for me as a teenager. He he kind of um, he kind of opened up this magical world and showed us that there are exciting things outside of what was in school. Yeah, yeah, exciting yeah, things right. about prime numbers, about high dimensional geometries, about topology and. And I think that and that's what's missing in our mathematical education. What I hope, you know, if any parents out there who are hoping to excite their kids about the importance of mathematics, I think, you know, a lot of the kind of wonderful, you know, hopefully my book, but other people's books and the kind of videos that are online uh, can just help to kind of like play the big ideas that are, are out there, which will hopefully motivate them to then say, okay, well, I'm prepared to do the hard work at school of learning these mathematical scales and arpeggios because, yeah, I quite like to make amazing technology using these mathematical ideas. So how do we get better at spotting those patterns or um, put ourselves in like the right mindset to start seeing things as patterns instead of just kind of feeling lost, uh, adding all the numbers together or um, trying to like read every letter of the sentence? Yeah, I think... You know, with all of these things, it, it's really an element of, of practice um, and just getting an experience of the sort of patterns to look for and, and building up a kind of uh, range of techniques to try and test a kind of series of numbers. You know, oh, uh, you know, what's the difference between these numbers? Is there something, a pattern there? Um, so I think a lot of people get frightened uh, uh, that maybe you have to be born with a brain or eyes mm. or a way of thinking. And, and that's really not true. The more time you spend uh, experiencing patterns, seeing, being shown kind of patterns in numbers or patterns in, in geometry and shapes or, or whatever, and even in music, you begin to get an experience that you can tap into later on. So um, I think that's, that's really important. It's, it's kind of, it's about practice in a way and, and that your brain starts to really get better and better at, at spotting these patterns. So, you know, don't don't expect it all to happen at once. Um, just yeah. spending your time in this world gradually gives you that sort of um, the experience that will help you to spot a pattern in a kind of new set of data that you're you'll perhaps want to look at. You talk about how perfectionism is considered essential when it comes to mathematics, but that also uh, a lot of times in life, perfectionism can be a killer for success. I'm mm. interested in that dichotomy and how you think those two um, sides of the coin come together. Yeah, I think 
you know, it, it is one of the kind of difficulties with mathematics. It's very unforgiving. So if you make right. a mistake, you know, um, it, it's just can be really deadly. Um, but, you know, that said, I think, again, um, one of the faults of our kind of education system is often that we we want our students to get everything right first time. But actually, right. we perhaps learn more um, from the moments when we fail. And then we look back and we understand, well, why did I get something wrong? Um, and I think that often is, you know, a far richer learning experience than just actually getting everything right first go so yeah, right. I, I wish in education we sort of actually celebrated a bit more um those moments when people get things wrong because i think those are really true learning moments and it's very interesting my previous book that i wrote before this one um was about artificial intelligence and creativity and there's kind of new sort of code that's emerging kind of machine learning where code kind of changes and mutates from its learning process and and the fascinating thing is the code only changes and becomes better if it gets something wrong that's the moment uh, when it actually changes so totally so i think we should we should take this into our education so um yeah ultimately we were looking for people getting the right answers but on the way maybe we should be more forgiving and more celebrating the the moments when people get things wrong because now you can learn from 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 what you just did and that said even you know some of the shortcuts in the book are quite interesting because sometimes it's important to know what information you can throw away you might say perfectionism well you know the perfect thing is to to know everything about the setting you're in but right. often there's a lot of things which aren't important and and that's what a really important shortcut what, what can I throw away that isn't important here? And what do I need to retain? Because that's key to understanding. So, you know, a nice example of that is um, kind of map that uh, we use every day in the city, which is a map of the, the kind of subway or the underground. Because, you know, I mean, we have this wonderful thing, the London underground map, and, you know, any big city probably has their own map. But it isn't kind of a real map because the distances ah, between the okay. stations are... Uh, are not just uh, dot, 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 dot. it's just yeah. dots and how they're connected right. so this is a new sort of map we came up with in mathematics and it's you know called a topological map not a geometric map because what's important is we don't really care how long it takes to get Doesn't from one station to the other right. that's not we just want to know that there is a connection between the two so right. actually you know the this is the wonderful there was this guy um beck in london in the 30s who came up with this new map of the london underground and um because people were finding it really difficult to use a geometric map you know with ah, all the distances it was yeah. too messy they couldn't see what was going on so right. but with this new you know they pushed and pulled the map around um uh, and made this kind of network map and and then suddenly you can navigate this so it's about that's in a case of I, I need to throw away the unimportant stuff which is yeah. the distances and time between the stations I just want to know how they're connected. So, mm. so that's very interesting. I think that's a very important skill to learn, to look at a problem and say, you know what? I don't need to know any of this stuff. Right. This is the key. So um, finding kind of the essence of the problem is often a, a really important shortcut. That's cool. Yeah. And uh, like we, we can only consider so much information at one time before it just starts to get overwhelming. And um, a lot of things in math, especially are so complicated 
you know, you can't, you can't think about the entire problem all at once. You really have to figure out what's important and where can I focus my attention? And that's such a life skill. You have a whole book on shortcuts, but um, are there ever times when it makes sense to take a long cut? Yeah, it was, <laughs> that's kind of interesting because, um, uh, you know, I talked to people from other professions because I was kind of interested um, whether there were shortcuts that they had that were similar to my ones or sometimes whether a shortcut is not really what you want. And, you know, I, I really enjoy hiking um, and, you know, you, you think about it, a shortcut's a bit pointless if you're going out for a day's hike, um, right. uh, you know, up to the top of a mountain. So I talked to a mountaineer and he said, you know, well, I could take a helicopter to the top of the mountain, but that kind of defeats the object. Right. So actually, I know there's, um, you know, the Greek philosopher Aristotle had this nice division of different sorts of work. Proesis, which is work to get to a goal. So all you're interested in is actually getting to the finishing point. So yeah. any shortcut there is, you know, you don't mind because it's just hard work getting there. You just want to get to the goal. Totally. But then he said there's a different sort of work, which is called praxis, which is um, kind of work for its own sake, the work that you enjoy doing. Um, yeah. So I think it's important to know, you know, yeah, absolutely. Maybe, maybe I don't want a shortcut because I'm really enjoying the time spent doing this kind of work. So, so my feeling is you, these shortcuts I'm proposing are trying to help you to avoid the work you don't want to do so you can get to the, the point where you can do the work you want to do. So it's a bit like, you know, if I'm going on a hike, I don't want to do the boring walk to the beginning of the hike because that's probably across lots of roads and stuff like that. So I'm quite happy to get to the beginning of the walk yeah, yeah, using, yeah. <laughs> using my car or using, you know, the local bus. But then I get out and I want to use my legs and I want to to take time uh, doing that. So so I think you're you're right. There's sometimes the the long the long way is is what you enjoy doing. So um, you know I I never watch um, uh, trailers for movies because that's basically uh. <laughs> and, and I often find like. Well, I don't need to watch the movie well, anymore. Now I you, know you, what's going to happen. Exactly. Yeah. They show me all, all the, the best bits, all the best yeah, gags. Yeah. Exactly. So actually, uh, you know, there you don't want to shortcut um, uh, the movie because you want to spend the time in it. But on the other hand, you know, you don't want to see every single detail of the main character's life. So there is right. a, already a shortcut. The movie's <laughs> taken the best bits and put it together. So, so, so that's kind of balanced. Yeah, yeah, I tell yeah, you this, yeah. at the end of the book, I actually talk about problems that we would like a shortcut for um yeah. but that we actually believe mathematically that there there isn't a clever way that you uh, can't avoid doing the hard work so there's yeah. there's one very famous one called the traveling salesman problem so this mm. is um a salesman who wants to go around a, a map of different cities say in america um and he's got or she's got um distances between all of the cities and yeah. has got to find the best way, the shortest How way to visit all this the... route. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, that's <laughs> a lot of companies are, are, are absolutely faced with that problem of uh, if they're shipping goods, they want to find the shortest way to use the least amount of fuel. Yeah. Um, so we would love kind of a shortcut where you say, OK, this is the way you find the, the shortest right. way around this map. But we think this sort of problem actually there isn't a shortcut beyond actually trying all of the different possibilities, listing them, and then seeing which one is the shortest one. 
and, and interesting. That's, yeah, with 10 cities, that's already, you know, a huge number of possibilities. So, so it's interesting that mathematics, you know, it is the art of the shortcut, but it also might be possible to show when a problem actually there isn't a shortcut beyond doing mm. all the hard work. And that's as important as, you know, sometimes you need to know, well, I, I shouldn't waste my time looking out the window trying to think of a clever idea because this one, I just have to do the hard work. So, um, so yeah, it's kind of interesting that we do have these problems. And in fact, there's a million dollar prize you know, uh, if you want to incentivize your teenagers to, to do maths, then you know, a good monetary prize might be a good one. But there's a million dollar prize to prove actually that there isn't a shortcut to that traveling salesman problem. Because we don't know. We think that there could well be. There might be some That's cunning possible. way that we haven't. Right, yeah. So either you have to come up with a cunning way to solve that problem <laughs> or prove there is no shortcut. And either way, can't be done. Yeah, if you can do either of those, you win a million dollars. So, um, you know. That doesn't sound bad. Yeah, so set your kids loose. Hey, we're here today with Marcus Dusotoy talking about his book, Thinking Better, The Art of the Shortcut in Math and Life. And we're not done yet. Here's a look at what's coming up in the second half of the show. In a way, we we tend to kind of compartmentalize our education such that people doing maths then they're doing music then they're doing history um and actually i think we should look for more interesting ways to to collaborate across our subjects you know having tools to to be able to look at data in the right way and and, and see the patterns and kind of make that shortcut it's going to be really powerful in this kind of modern world Yeah, yeah, yeah. We all have sort of, we all have certain things that like we our have. brain can grab onto and start finding shortcuts yeah. and seeing the big picture more easily than others. And sometimes we try to like force ourselves to be beating our head against the wall. He scanned wall. my brain playing chess. Um, <laughs> and he said, Marcus, you're not going to be a grandmaster. But he said, Stick to math, um, buddy. <laughs> yeah. He said, I think, you know, if we scanned you doing mathematics, we'll probably see you using the same kind of brain pattern of this shortcut mm. across the brain, not actively consciously working things out. And, and that's your, that's what you're good at. Um, so, so I, I think it's controversial, his research, but, and, and I think, you know, I always say this to, to kids at school, you know, it's all about finding the thing that you are good at, that you love doing. Um, yeah, and, right. and, you know, don't go and do the thing at university that you think will be useful or that you're, right. you know, that you don't, you're not passionate about. Find right. the thing and, and you will make a success out of whatever that is. So right. I think, you know, too much we want our kids to go off, I don't know, be doctors and lawyers oh and, yeah that's uh, the hard thing like as parents it's like well you really yeah. got to apply yourself more in your science classes because that's yeah. how you're going to make money and have a stable career yeah and yeah um but maybe that's not really what our child's um their brain is wired for no exactly so i take you know i'm not sure i totally buy into the neuroscientists full kind of research proposal but but i do the spirit is right that we should be helping our kids to find the thing that they're just going to really be passionate about spending their life doing. Want to hear the full interview? Sign up for a subscription today. 
you get access to all the interviews I've conducted, as well as new episodes weeks before the general public. It's completely affordable, and your subscription helps support the work we do here at Talking to Teens. Thanks for listening.